everyone, and welcome to another episode of Glorious Rugby. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool. We're coming at you a little bit later this week. Now, I know it was a rough game for DC, and I was a little maybe disgusted by it, but AKP, man, you got sick. What happened there? Are you feeling better? Yeah, must have just been the, the disappointment of the loss. I just lost all energy. Couldn't leave bed. Clearly, that's the only explanation for what happened. It's a medical certainty. Well, we hope there's an improved effort in round four, Old Glory versus New England. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first, yeah, we got to recap that New York game. It was going into it, I think... I think a lot of maybe a lot of fans were maybe a little surprised or excited about O'Glory's performance against Chicago and had high expectations for O'Glory going into round three, considering they had a bye in, in round two. But um, maybe a little bit of a reality check, right? Again, still very early, a little bit of a reality check. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you can just say it. Some of us came out with hot takes that New York wasn't good <laughs> and uh, are paying for that now. Well, you know, we meet them again, so, you know, early season hot takes are some of the best, um, so I'm not too concerned about it, but, yeah, of course, you know, they lost. Um, the The score line made it look uglier than it was, and it was pretty pretty rough. That second half got a little way, got away from us a little bit, but let's talk about it. What went wrong? In, in, in your mind, what were the kind of the, the two or three things that you felt just fell apart for Old Glory in that game? Yeah, so uh, the first thing to recognize, I guess, is that New York is actually good. I said that they were not good, and uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll defend that assessment because they weren't that great in preseason, and they weren't that great to start the season, but the amount that they've improved just in the last week or two is actually very impressive. They've really cleaned up their act because they've always... I mean, even in the beginning, they, they had good, strong, hard-running backs and forwards they were a very physical team they really challenged at the breakdown and all the all of that was true and all of that was always going to be true but they suffered because they pushed a little too far usually they they were a little too aggressive at the breakdowns but this this time they've really cleaned it up they've they've gotten their discipline under control they i mean we had about equal penalty count which is just not what you'd want to see because of the if we're getting an equal penalty count as them, that means they're winning a bunch of of rucks and getting um, getting away with a lot of their their hard pushing. And part of that's on the referee. I mean, Scott Green. I'm pretty sure I said in a Reddit post at one point that Scott Green is a a referee that they would do well under because he just has a little more of a laissez-faire, let him play, you know, attitude to it and. Which is fine. It's you can't argue with that. He has a he has a take on the game, and that's that's perfectly valid. And they played well to it, and we we just didn't adjust to that. We didn't adjust to the the strength and the disruptiveness with which they were playing. Yeah, I agree. And we'll, we'll talk about Scott Green and Romero Herrera in just a little bit because <laughs> there was some interesting back and forth between those two. My biggest observation was. Just the first 15 minutes of play, New York came out. I think we knew that, that they were going to be aggressive. They were going to come out and play tough and hard. Old Glory really didn't have possession for the first, like, 15 minutes of the game. New York controlled it the entire time. I mean, Blankton, we were down 10-0. Okay, you think, okay, this is not not going well. We're already down two tries. 
early, they just never had the ball. It seems like they never got a chance to get going. Penalties or knock-ons. I think I wrote in my game notes, bad pass, knock-on. I don't know how many times I wrote that where I was just like, all right, got to stop writing yeah. this. But, yeah. And I think one of the yeah. things that I think I was most excited about uh, was that, hey, we had a number of returning players coming in. Corey Daniel coming back from injury. You had Romero Herrera coming in um, to really bolster up that, that pack. But it didn't seem like our pack was able to really maybe dominate the way we thought they would have going into that game. What, what were your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah, we saw it against Chicago. Part of the reason we did so well in that game is the forwards were always able to get on the front foot. And it's something that we saw from New York in this game. The amount of the amount that New York was able to just get on the front foot that, you know, their guy would get hit at the game line and then would be able to get another five meters, would be able to fall forwards and keep his legs moving, go another little bit. And that's what we did to Chicago. And then New York came in and did it to us. So, you know, our guys tended to just run into the line and and go down at the line. And it meant that we were sort of struggling to find any way to, to actually move forward. And that's I think that's part of why we struggled on attack. And so then we started to push it. We started to throw more aggressive passes. We started to to try and pick up the pace and, and go faster. And that leads to mistakes. And and then you're handing over possession. So that's what I saw. Yeah. I wanted to, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the pack here. Right. Herrera came in. And uh, Matt McCarthy shared a very interesting... Um, anecdote in the game apparently the jersey that they gave Herrera was too small it was a 3XL apparently he couldn't get it over his chest so they had to take a couple other jerseys stitch them together just so he could get it over I mean like big impressive dude and you saw it but you talked about Scott Green and there was a couple of times where Scott Green was kind of telling Herrera I don't know what the exchange necessarily was penalized them a couple of times Um, this guy's you know played in the Rugby World Cup, had a great performance, is a, is a great international. What was going on there? Did you did you have any idea? Like, I thought Herrera was going to eat the lunch of some of the other, you know, front row in New York, but it didn't seem like it. I mean, okay, so, so part of this is the dark arts of the scrum, so I'm not going to speak beyond my... My my knowledge here, but but it's obvious I have no that, idea because I had I was never sticking my head in the scrum. I was getting the ball out. I mean, you could see from the beginning though that Herrera was. I mean, he is way way better. He had the edge on Wenglewski from the beginning, from the first moment they packed down. It's like it was pretty clear. It's like oh, uh, Wenglewski is about to get worked over. But um, you know, credit to Wenglewski, he did a good job of making yeah. it seem like. Herrera was overcommitting, and I think I sort of wonder if Herrera is not used to scrummaging at this lower level. Like he's almost used to a bit more resistance from the other guy, and so he was, you know, pushing a bit hard, a bit early, going down a bit, bit fast, and he was sort of overcommitting in a way that that made it seem like it was his fault, but actually he's just too much better. So I think he'll get better at that, and you could see that towards the end of the the match, he got he got better at that, and we. We absolutely destroyed them in one scrum, and I think that'll. I, I think it's just a Herrera getting used to MLR thing, and you can have a be a dominant scrummager and have a dominant scrum, but if you're not doing it in technically the right way, then you're still going to get penalized. So 
That's that's what I was seeing. And honestly, I was very impressed with Herrera. And because sometimes you get these guys from overseas and and they're supposed to be great at this or that, and then they turn out to be sort of just okay at this at that because they're older and they're they're running out of steam. There's a reason they're no longer playing overseas. But he, I don't know, it was just instantly obvious that he is a mm-hmm. damn good scrummager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think well, I think the rest of the, the year we're going to see um, improved performance, and I think they'll get more comfortable playing with him, Nick Suchan and, and Gaddis and stuff like that, I think our scrums really come together. Because you brought this up before, I really do think the pack is the strength of this team. But So when we finally got the ball, we finally started to possess the ball a little bit. Uh, our, our, our boys in the back line didn't quite help him out very much. And I'll bring up one play in particular, and I thought this was really important. 34th, 35th minute, Old Glory's down a try. There was a loose play kind of in the midfield. We scooped the ball up. There's a little bit of a break. Marcos Young has the ball. He has one player to beat, Jack Hyten. Nine times out of ten, he probably throws a far better pass, right? And I think he was trying to hit um, – who was he trying to hit on the outside? I, I can't see my notes here, but it wasn't the best of pass. And it kind of got ahead of him a little bit, and the, the runner kind of bobbled the ball a little bit, and there was a you – know, he kind of scooped it up. And Bottom line is Marcos Young probably makes a better pass there nine times out of ten hits the runner going on, and we score a try there. And instead of being down by, you know, 5-6-7, all of a sudden, hey, we're with a successful conversion, we're down a point or two, and we're right in it, even after a first half where it seemed like we struggled so much. But the back line, you know, they had some issues. You know, some some bad passes, some dropped ball. I, I just didn't seem like they could get really going there. I mean, yeah, it was windy, and there were some issues, and there was some maybe ill-advised kicking going on a little bit. But uh, what was your take on on how the back line played? Yeah, I I'm gonna go back to what I've been saying, you know, for weeks now. It's that the the backs don't really ha- seem to have a lot of creative strategy or you know fun tactics going on in the back line. There's not a lot of dummy runners or doubts about where the ball is going. It tends to just be you know pass it to the guy who is gonna crash it, and that's that's often been Palamo, and it's not. It's not the worst strategy because Palamo crashing the ball is good, but you also, it's so obvious. And maybe, you know, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like I can watch all glory and I just know exactly where the ball is going every time it goes to the back line. I just know exactly what they're going to do. And that means that the defense knows exactly what they're going to do and they can, they can just hit them and shut them down because there's not, you know, you as a back line, the way you get the ball going forward is you keep the defense uncertain. You make them have to... You keep, you give yourself options and then, you know, the defense is only able to shut down one of those options and you go with the one they don't shut down. But we tend to just give ourselves one option and just hope we can ram it through. And when you've got a forwards, forward pack that can get the defense on the back foot, then you've got a defensive line that's broken and that has gaps in it and you can just pass it to the keep passing it until someone has a gap to run through and that that did work once i mean that's we scored that one time by exploiting a gap by having the defense on the back foot and passing it until someone until i think it was tito had a had a gap and he just went right through and that yep. but we just that with with our forwards not really getting much purchase, not really being able to overpower New York up front, 
that meant that the backs didn't have that broken line to play with. They didn't have that that opportunity, and they just seemed to be unable to create that opportunity for themselves. Mm-hmm. And you and you mentioned that Marcos Young bad pass, and you said nine times out of ten he doesn't miss that. And I think that's part of the point is that you know there was that one bad pass and that that ruined a scoring opportunity. But why was there only one opportunity? Like yeah. why was he? Why was he? Did he only have one opportunity to make a good pass for a score? If your if your team's working well, he should have three or four opportunities to make that pass, so that you know when it doesn't work one time, that's fine because there's a next time. But this time there just wasn't a next time because that was actually the one time we managed to get him in enough space where he had a an overlap and a guy outside. So yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we could <clears throat> we could probably spend another thirty minutes picking apart what didn't work very well. And certainly, when you, when, yeah. when you lose like that, there's a lot of things that that you can point to to say this didn't work. But let's, if we have some time, let's talk a little bit about what we think worked well. We talked about Herrera, but um, if you want to expand a little bit more on, on on what you think we'll be able to do with Herrera in the pack, or if there was another observation or two that worked well in the game. Please, <laughs> illuminate, lighten us. Yeah, I've mentioned Herrera a lot, but I, I thought he did well. He was good as an open field runner, and like, he's big, and <laughs> it's what you like to see. But he also, yeah, he was really good in the scrums, and I think that's something we'll be able to capitalize on more in the future. It's notable that New York seemed to almost never drop the ball. They seem to, We seem to have very few scrums where we had the put in, and so... There really weren't that many opportunities because they were fast enough getting the ball out that we didn't have an opportunity to overpower their their scrums. But we also didn't have an opportunity that many opportunities to get penalties on our own scrum. But I think going forward against other teams, we we've seen a lot of good stuff from Herrera, and especially the Herrera Iscaro combo. It's just fantastic, and I think we're going to be able to to use that. You know. If a team drops a ball off a kickoff or something, that happens a lot in the MLR. So then we're going to get the put in at the scrum. We're going to be able to keep the ball in. We're going to be able to use Escaro and Herrera to drive forward, get a penalty, kick it to the corner, and suddenly we're in a good position. I can. That's something I can really see happening a lot. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned going forward. So we've got Old Glory's got New England um, in round four. In your mind, what are the, the top things that needs to be worked on or improved going into this really big match against New England? Home opener for them, which is pretty scary. It's a good question. It's a tough one because um, I feel like there's not that many easily fixed problems. Like our problems were we dropped the ball a lot. That's not something you can just you can just fix in a in a week of practice and you know our defense we didn't we didn't really push New York back but I I don't know if that'll be a problem against New England because they're not quite as big and physical of a pack you know it might just be stay the course and hope that and just do it better yeah we're we're going to talk about um the game plan for New England here a little bit later uh in this episode 
because uh, I think it's going to be important to come out of the gate pretty quickly against a pretty raucous crowd there. St. Patrick's Day celebration weekend. You know, the, the suds are going to be flowing for New England for sure. But we'll get to that in a second. I want to I want to move and talk about our players of the game. Let's start with Ford of the game. I'll go with my pick. Um, and this was... Not an easy one for me, but I think it was more so just recognizing that it's good to have Corey Daniel back. Um, I thought he played pretty well. He got, you know, quality, a little over 60 minutes. He made, you know, almost 20 tackles, maybe 18 tackles uh, in the game. Good to see Corey Daniel back playing for the squad. It seems like he, he played pretty well. and He played all right. He played 60 minutes. Good to see him back. I'm going to give Corey Daniel my forward of the game. Just looking forward to seeing how he plays for us the rest of the season. But uh, well, who was your pick for forward of the pack? Well, you, you'll be absolutely shocked to know that it's Herrera. <laughs> um, I think he's the one who... It wasn't a great day for the forwards, but he's the one who showed me something that really made me excited for for upcoming games. So... On a on a rough day, I'll I'll take that little spot of lightness. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited for what uh, Herrera is going to bring the rest of the season, and I have a feeling he may be our forward of the forward of the game uh, <laughs> multiple times the rest of the season. But I guess we'll find out. So moving into the backs, you know, we talked a little bit about the struggles of the back line. Um, I'll let you uh, go first on who your back of the game was. Yeah, for me, it's got to be Tito. Diaz Bonilla he did a as much as I'm giving the the backline crap for not having creativity and not doing interesting things he's really trying he's he it didn't always work out but he's he was doing a lot of stuff to try and make it work and I think it's just tactically we don't have much of a plan and so you know just trying to have our our fly half just figure it out on the fly is not really working out but um, mm-hmm. I mean, he got that score, and that was just a great moment of vision from him, knowing that he could, because he broke through a tackle or two to get there, and just knowing that he could do that, um, yeah, uh, it goes to, to Tito for me. I'm the same. I, I'm giving Tito back of the game. I agree with you. I um, There were a couple moments in the game where part of me was like, ah, why, why don't we just kind of like do an easier pass and just maintain possession and try to get some phases going as opposed to... You know, there was one moment early in the first half when uh, he tried to kick out to, uh, I think Mark, I keep saying Marcos Young, and then Marcos Young I thought played okay. You know, he tried to kick it out to, to Young on the wing there, and it just missed. The timing was just a little bit off. But I'd rather our fly half try and get creative and manufacture some of that stuff. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that because he's, he's trying. He's trying to be creative. He's trying to keep the defense um, off kilter. Even though that play didn't quite work out, I still like that in a fly half. Um, and I think... As guys play more and get more comfortable, I think it's better. And look, I mean, we didn't have to talk about this very much, but it was windy there. And I'm not saying that that was, um, you know, New York had to deal with it too. The conditions were a little tough. It was a little windy. That could have thrown things off a little bit. Those, these early season, February, March games there, you know, maybe tough weather-wise. So maybe that played a factor into it a little bit. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what it's going to be in New England. It looks like it's going to be a sunny day there, and but who knows, the wind could be a little bit of a factor. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think our guy Tito gets my back of the week. So that's enough on on New York and, and Old Glory. You know, I chalk it up to, uh, hey, 
tough early season loss. Let's get it behind us. A couple things we need to work on, and, and let's move. Let's move on. So let's move on. Quick review of the standings. Uh, Old Glory went from, from being what a three-way tie for first to now in the Eastern Conference. You've got New York on top. They're 2-1. They've got 10 points. Rugby ATL is 2-1 as well. They've got 10 points. I think Rugby ATL is sneaky good. I don't know your thoughts on, on ATL, um, Alistair, but to me it doesn't seem like too many people are talking about them. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know about them yet. I guess we'll see. But yeah, they certainly could be good. Yeah, could be good. I like it. I like it. Of course, uh, New England's third, Old Glory is fourth. They both have five points, but New England has the better point differential. But uh, big game, obviously, here in round four. Again, on the road against um, New England. Yeah, it's your Eastern Conference. You got Toronto with a point, and then Noel Gold still 0-3 with zero points. Quill, real quick look at the Western Conference. It's pretty stacked at the top. Houston, Seattle, San Diego. Houston and Seattle are both undefeated at 3-0. They play on Saturday night, which should be fun for those folks who want to stay up late on Saturday night. I believe it's a 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard kickoff, but a lot to look forward to uh, there. All right, let's move on, and let's talk a little bit about our buildup for the round four. And we have a new segment this episode where we're going to be interviewing a fellow fan podcaster i'm excited to introduce our next guest all right i'm happy to introduce our next guest a new england free jacks super fan probably the biggest fan of the new england free jacks none other than phil harris from the jacks rangers show phil to steal steal a line from you how the hell are you? Not too bad. Huzzah. Um, happy to be on here once again. Well, my first time ever. Super excited about this. Uh, Fitzy, you've been on yeah. the Jack Stranger show many, many times. I think that's what it was confusing me a little bit there. But yeah, super happy you guys are doing this for the DC fans out there. The dozens of fans, I'm sure, really appreciate uh, the contribution that you're making hey. here. <laughs> hey, 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 now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> No, that's why we got. That's why we got to have Phil on. Phil's the best. Uh, Phil, you, you talked a little bit about the Jacks Rangers show, but go ahead and give a little intro about who you are and what you do and why people should listen yeah, to man. you. Yeah, uh, man. I wouldn't say that I'm the premier super fan of the Free Jacks. I think that is uh, Spider, who you might see, uh, you know, watching a Free Jacks game. He's all kitted out with the whole Continental Army thing going on and the tricorn hat. He's Love truly it. the uh, the super fan of the Free Jacks. But what I do is I try to help out fan engagement as much as possible with a podcast similar to yours that is fan-driven for the Free Jacks specifically, and it is called the Jacks Rangers Show. We started almost two years ago at this point. Um, it was actually after DC beat um, the Free Jacks in a game about two years ago is when we started it all up. I th- I was so mad uh, at the Free Jacks' performance in that game that I felt like, gee, I need to, to start a podcast. I had no idea what I was doing, obviously. Uh, I had to learn everything, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great ride so far. We're up to 68 episodes at this point so moving right along yeah that's awesome that's awesome all right let's talk about this preview here so uh new england free jacks they're hosting old glory dc in new england's home opener it's going to be a raucous Mm -hmm. crowd 
New England, they had a, they came off a bye. They're one and one on the season so far. Sum up the Free Jacks season so far for us. Well, uh, you know, depending on if you're a glasses half full or glasses half empty type of guy, it's either you know pretty promising or pretty frustrating. I think is the best way to describe it. They've played two games so far. Had a bye week last week, so they're going to be um, really trained up and, and focused on DC at the home opener here. But uh, prior to that, you know, they did win a game against what we all thought, or at least the guys on the Jacks range show our outriders on the show the contributors all thought that nola was going to be a playoff team but right now they're zero and three looking yeah. not too great um back to their old ways i guess you could describe a team that won four games last season so the you know the free jacks put the sword to them in, in the first week and you felt pretty good about the free jacks pro, uh, you know uh, potential going forward and then they they made a cross-country trip over there to uh, san diego and I predicted in our way too early predictions that they would lose that game, and they in fact did. Uh, we always pick the Free Jacks in our on episode uh, at the time that we play them in our preview, and I picked them to win by one point. So they looked um, not great in that game. The lineout was a huge problem, and they just you know kept shooting themselves in the foot when they did get opportunities. So yeah, a pretty frustrating performance there. But uh, you know with a bye week uh, under their belt, I feel pretty good about their chances against DC. Yeah, certainly uh, those early season bye weeks are, are fun to navigate, interesting to navigate, particularly coming off of a, mm-hmm. a loss. Everyone knows that the Free Jacks have had to replace a couple of players, of course, dynamic, fly half, boating Waka, but mm-hmm. any any players that DC fans need to kind of keep their eye on um, so far? Who, who are some of your, I guess, to, quote, yes. to use your words, danger men for New England? Yeah, so the impact players that we like to, and the, uh, the danger men, as you're saying, that we like to talk about on the Free Jacks, one of them just returned as of today, mm. Jesse the Pest Peretti, um, who's going to be filling in, I believe, at the lock position as a starter or, you know, potentially coming off the bench in this game against D.C. Um, he can play lock because he's tall enough, but he can also is a, a terror in the loose forward area. Um he, he's going to be a problem. You know, the guy's kind of a walking yellow card, but he brings that physicality, that mentality that the Free Jacks want to have. Did he throw someone's shoe in a game He did last throw year? somebody's shoe. Yeah, he got tackled, and I don't think he appreciated <laughs> the, the tackle. So he, he grabbed the guy's shoe, ripped it off of him, and threw it into the stands, which uh, which was a. Uh, Sounds like a crowd favorite. Though. He is a crowd favorite. A lot of people have yeah. told me that he is their favorite forward. I, I like to describe him as he has all black uh, talent and Dallas Jackal discipline is the best way that I can describe Jesse Peretti. Um, The talent is certainly there, but, um, you know, he he plays with an edge for sure, and sometimes he'll end up in in the send bin there. Um, He's he's a guy that you guys should definitely focus on if he plays. Another forward that I wanted to mention – Namibian international Wien Conradi had the most carries yeah. out of all Free Jacks in that game against San Diego, where the Free Jacks didn't look very good, but he certainly did with ball in hand. He's 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 a problem. He was a guy that was uh, initially drafted by uh, Dallas in that uh, initial disper- dispersal draft um, when they when they started up, but they lost him, of course, because they chose to wait a year to enter the league, and the Free Jacks picked him up, and he was amazing in 2021. Um, based on that, he got himself a contract uh, overseas at Gloucester in the Premiership, and you just don't—that doesn't just happen. You don't slip and fall into a professional contract uh, in the English Premiership. So he's a—he has a lot of talent. In terms of the backs, I wanted to mention. Uh, 
USA International, Mitch Wilson, playing at fullback. He's just been outstanding every single time that we've seen him last year and this year. Um, handles those high balls extremely well. You feel very, very confident with him back there being able to catch high balls and also making something happen with his speed uh, and shifting us back there. Big, big Mitch Wilson fan. Um, I thought he played really well for the final <laughs> qualification tournament for the men's Eagles. So. For sure. Even though he, he, he sure did. Even though he's a frenemy because he plays for New England, um, big fan of Mitch yes. Wilson and, and what he brings to the to the field. All right, oh, glory DC, right? They got humbled, maybe reality check in round three against New York. Not their mm-hmm. best game. Obviously, a lot of penalties, some miscues and things like that, things to correct yep. for New England. Put yourself in the in the in the shoes of a new of an old glory DC fan. Tell us, Yuck. tell us. <laughs> we can swap out those colors that you're wearing right now. It'd be easy, right? How does yeah. how does a team how about, that? how about that? How does a team like DC beat New England? What's the game plan to beat New England? When you appeared on the show uh, that will be coming out very soon uh, for the Jacks Rangers show, we talked about this, and I had mentioned, you know, it's going to be a ruckus crowd. It's the home opener for the Free Jacks. They have the best, if not, you know, one of the best fan atmospheres in the entire league, and I told you that I feel like the only way D.C. can realistically win this game is if they start uh, strong, and by that I mean they need to score a try or two and maybe the first uh, 20 minutes uh, prior to the hydration break to really get that crowd. You're not going to kill the crowd but it's going to you know flatten the tire a little bit of the crowd atmosphere because it is very very intimidating that atmosphere at Fort Quincy that has been built up by the fan culture at the, the New England Free Jacks so I think that if they if they score early and often um, they will find themselves in a position where the Free Jacks might not be able to catch up and I think that's probably the the only realistically way that I see DC winning this game is if you know you get a couple early tries and you just kind of hold well that certainly paid off for Ogilory in round one when they scored a try within two minutes against Chicago and that certainly helped but then if you look at mm-hmm. what happened uh, in round three against exactly. New York New York came out and scored two tries within the first 10 minutes and then Ogilory on the road can't have that happen against New England here mm-hmm. or they're going to get buried all right New England how do they win this game I think you know, with all due respect, I, I do believe that DC has improved uh, their roster, um, and the and the results, at least for the week one, have certainly shown that. Um, I think the way that uh, New England wins this game is they get they have to have better line out play. One of the reasons they lost that game against uh, San Diego, other than just missed opportunities, was their line out looked terrible. Uh, and there's really no excuse with that. You got to get better at that. Uh, I also think that you know ultimately, if you look at both rosters. Um, there is a slight edge in terms of talent and depth for the Free Jacks. There's a couple positions, like the hooker position, the center position, the loose forward area, where the Free Jacks have, have just like talent and talent and talent. Um, it's really not one, two, three. It's one A, one B, and one C. So I feel like as long as they do, <laughs> it's it's funny to say this, but it's as long as they do everything that they should have done against uh, uh, San Diego down there in uh, Southern California, I think that the Free Jacks get the win. Great. Let's um, let's hear your prediction for the score. I will say, and I've been kind of doing this all season long in terms of where my range is. I believe the Free Jacks are going to get, gonna get 28 on this. And I'm going to be kind to D.C. and say you're going to lose by maybe 7. I'll say 21 to D.C. So I think, you know, uh, within one score game there ultimately. And I think that uh, is a testament to the improvement that D.C. has made this season for sure. Those are kind words from from Phil Harris, who who often likes to <laughs> to dog pile on opposing fan bases. But that's okay. That's all. For sure. It's all for fun. It's all for fun. Phil, we appreciate you coming on. That was a quick fire hit. Good luck in round four. We'll see what happens, but we're gonna get out of here on this. Thanks a lot, Phil. 
All right, thank you, Phil Harris from Jack's Rangers show for your kind of run-up to the game and your thoughts on how it's going to go. But Alistair and I are going to pick who we think will win the game, and I think it may be a little bit different from Phil Harris. So I'll start us off here. I talked a little bit about this with Phil earlier in the week on his podcast. Um, I think Old Glory needs to come out of the gate on fire and, and quiet down that, that crowd there in New England. It's going to be a tough battle. Not a lot of teams go up to Fort Quincy and win games there. Do I think there's an opportunity for Old Glory to steal one? Yes, I do. I think that has to happen. I think we need. I, I think we'll have improved play from the, the forwards. I think Herrera and the pack will figure things out in the scrum, and I think our back line will get a little more creative. I think New England loses this one. I like Old Glory to win by two. I have a feeling they squeak it out by maybe like a last-minute penalty or try at the end and hang on. I have them winning 27-25. to 25. AKP, what do you think? Yeah, I think this could be a, quite a high-scoring one. I think that what will make a difference this time is that New England's a little less physical in the pack, and so our, our forwards should have a bit of an easier time getting go-forward. And then New England also likes to kick a lot, and I think that will actually be to our benefit. They're very good at kicking, but when you kick, you open up, you, you sort of break up the line, you, you open up a lot more broken play and i think our our backs might be able to exploit that that's sort of what they're tactically designed to exploit so yeah i'm hoping for a win here i feel I don't, <laughs> i've already burned my myself once on these takes so I'll, I'll go for a close game again like you I'm, i'll have old glory winning by one point i'll have it be everything will rest on an 81st minute conversion kick by Tito. <laughs> look, look, and we, we, we talked about this, right? New England probably is expected to win this game, right? They're, they're, they are Certainly good should team. be, yeah. They, they, won, they went 13-3 and three last year. They have a fantastic home record. Teams don't really go up there and beat them in, in Fort Quincy. We've, we've talked about that. They've got their home opener. The crowd's going to be loud. They're going to be fired up. They're really going to be pushing those players for the Free Jacks to win, right? So in my mind, the way I picture it is that the pressure really is on New England to win this game. They're expected to win. They're expected to win this game. They probably should win this game, right? So if Old Glory doesn't win it, can we at least salvage a couple of bonus points, right? Can we get, can we, can be a tight score? Can we get four tries? Can we get a point or two out of this if we lose to get a little momentum for a home game against Toronto in, in, in round five? That's what I'm hopeful for, right? And again, I'm picking Old Glory to win and I could be completely wrong on it and that's fine i don't care but i want to see an improved performance and if we do lose i'd love to see if we can salvage a point or two yeah and uh the model who the model is now perfect on the season still which is shocking <laughs> it, uh, the model has new england by eight so you should probably listen to the model and not make because the model knows what it's talking about don't listen to our partisan hackery over here. Listen to the to the model. It's supposed to be neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may be a little more biased than the numbers. If, if I can talk a little bit more about the New England game, do you anticipate any changes um, on the match day uh, 23, particularly in the starting 15? Might we see William Talatana? We haven't seen him all season. What's going to happen there? Uh, any any changes you, you can't anticipate Old Glory might make? Yeah, it's a really good question. I... I think we're going to keep Baker in the backfield because um, he'll be able to handle the kicking game of, of New England. Um, yeah, what we do on the wings is, is a 
an open question. I mean, we put Penny on out there last week, and he he had a a pretty decent game, but you know, I I really don't know. That's the problem. It's it's so hard yeah. to tell. It's so many guys are new. So many guys seem to be good this year. We have such good depth that I I, I struggle to even make a make a prediction. Yeah, well, it didn't seem like didn't seem like there were any injury concerns come out of the game, right? I don't think at least we saw a player come off, and, and hopefully, you know, there, yeah. there's there's a uh, you know, there, obviously there's stuff that we don't know about or hear about, but I'm optimistic that there weren't any major injury concerns because there were a couple across uh, MLR in, in round three. Some some big players had to, to come off the game, so it'll be interesting to see what they do for for round four. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about round four. You know, again, we know. New England's the first game in round four against Old Glory. That's a, that's a Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock kickoff, so that'll be fun, Eastern Standard Time. And then uh, Chicago is at home against Toronto. Toronto coming off of a bye. That's Saturday night, 8 p.m. Let's do our picks here. In my mind, I think Chicago... I don't want to dogpile on Toronto. I just think the injury concerns, some depth concerns, that I think this is a good spot for Chicago to get their first win here. I like Chicago to win this one by. I'm gonna give them win by seven. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same. Maybe I'll have Chicago by five. Um, I like them to pick up their first win, but the model has Toronto by one. So. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It's the model is no. not yet down on Toronto like the rest yeah. of us. Uh, Selfishly, I would you know as a, as a fan of Old Glory, like I would obviously want to see Chicago win just to keep Toronto down in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but interesting, the model is undefeated. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Moving on, later that night, um, we've got two more games, three more games on Saturday night. Sorry, two more games on Saturday night. Let me try that again. San Diego Legion are at home against the Dallas Jackals. That's an 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. You know, I don't want to overlook Dallas too much, but I think San Diego is too good of a squad to to drop this one. I think, again, we've seen Dallas has improved performance, but in my mind, I think San Diego, if they've got title aspirations, they have no business dropping this game at home to Dallas. I think San Diego wins this one comfortably. I'm even going to go 18 points. That's crazy, but I'm going to go 18. Yeah, I mean, Dallas is improvement mode until it, until they do it, you know. Until they do it, they haven't done it, and it's just yeah. such a safe bet to pick whoever's playing them to win. So, the model has yeah. San Diego by twenty-five, and I'll Ooh. I'll I'll take that as well. Okay, all right. Saturday night, Seattle Seawolves at home hosting the Houston SaberCats. <clears throat> Excuse me. Both squads are three and oh. This is a ten thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. I'm staying up for this one for sure. Might have an extra beer or two to watch this. This should be a fun match. Seattle definitely plays well at home. I'm really high on Houston. I think they're a big, aggressive team. I think this game might be a tight one. I don't know if it's going to be a high-scoring game necessarily, but I like Houston in this one to get the edge. They just, I think they're bigger, more aggressive. I like them winning by three. I'm going to go the exact opposite direction, and I'm going to take Seattle by three. I think Seattle has just shown so much control over the game, and their defense is it's legitimately good now. And we saw Houston struggle at the beginning in the first mm-hmm. half 
um, last week. So I'll take Seattle by three, and the model has Seattle by nine. By how much? Nine. Nine. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Model. The model really likes I... Seattle. Yeah. No kidding. I thought I had. I thought I had the model figured out, <clears throat> but it's clear I do not this week. So I'm very interesting to see. Like, of course, I'd like for all my picks to hit here. But um, the model's record speaks for itself. It's undefeated. So Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's hi- highly, highly unlikely that it continues to go undefeated. But yeah. you never know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see what the model's going to pick on this last one. Sunday afternoon, last game of round four. Nola Gold at home hosting New York Ironworkers. Nola Gold really needs a win here. They're 0-3. This is a really tough spot for New Orleans. They lose this one. Yeah, you're you're going to be 0-4 there, and you're looking at really digging yourself out of a hole. And granted, you know, they are only five points right now, five points back of of, of the third seed, you know, for, for the playoffs. So certainly if they lose this one, they're not out of it, but it's not trending well for them to drop four straight, considering high expectations for the squad. I don't know. In, in my mind, I, I just even if they're at home, I can't see New Orleans winning this game. I think New York... Um, I think New York's too good of a team. I think they, you know, they proved it there um, round three and in, in, in casting aside old glory. I think New York wins this game. I think they win this one by 10. Yeah, I'll I'll take them New York by 15. Um, they, they've they they've proven me wrong, and, and uh, I, I think it's time for me to admit that they're a good team. They've, they've just cleaned themselves up so much that I think anyone who doesn't have themselves together and anyone who isn't able to to really challenge them up front or challenge them in the backs one of the two is is going to really struggle so and the model has new york by nine so all in agreement there okay all right me and me and the model are back on on uh on the safe wavelength here which is good I'm gonna to have to poke underneath the hood and see what you're, what's tinkering underneath there, because you know my MLR power rankings tabulator 5,000 trademarked. That's a joke though. My model there is a little, you know, I can't quite reveal all the secrets. There's confidentiality agreements. There's all these things, so I can't reveal too much of how that works. But if it's as complicated as your model, then there's some sophisticated wizardry going on here, and, and MLR fans should really listen to what we have to say. You know, my, I published uh, <laughs> the math behind my model. Actually, it's oh, not did. on the current website, but I've forgotten to republish it. But it's perfect. It's public. It's public information. Oh, okay. Anyone could reproduce oh, my model if they wanted to. Got it. Got it. You're giving away your seat. It's open. It's open source software or whatever. You know, you're letting you're letting the people get a glimpse of what's going on there. That's dangerous. <laughs> Well, good stuff. So, AKP, a lot of a lot of action going on, obviously, this week. And, of course, we've got Six Nations Round 4 coming back. A lot to look forward to uh, this weekend. MLR Round 4, Old Glory in a tough spot here. Again, on the road going up to face the New England Free Jacks. Again, I may be wildly optimistic about it, but I can't wait for, you know, Saturday afternoon for me to just point the finger at certain people and say, I told you so, I told you so. May not happen. Maybe you have to wait later in the season for that. But, um, Alistair, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Nope. Only that I hope Old Glory wins. Let's get back on that that win track. That's right. I love it. Let's get back on that win track. Reality check, but that's okay. 
For Alistair Kirschpool, I am John Fitzpatrick. This has been another fine episode of Glorious Rugby. Let's go, old glory DC. Right.